Well, a little bit of my story this week. Monday, I was in Lexington for meetings, Monday, Tuesday. And I was supposed to be in Kearney Friday, Saturday for a conference. Um, I was invited to speak or be one of the speakers at our women's conference. I mean, talk about stretching me um, for the, uh, the, the district this year. Sorry, my microphone is falling off of my ear. Anyway, and so all of a sudden Blizzard comes and I wasn't sure what I was supposed to be doing. And so we didn't obviously get to the conference. Walt was supposed to be preaching this Sunday. Uh, and so I heard from him last night that he wasn't going to make it. And so Tam ran upstairs and got her iPad out to pick out worship songs. And I ran downstairs and got my computer out to start figuring out what I was preaching on. Uh, so, but God is good. And so when I went upstairs after I scrambled a little bit and talked to Tam and she said, well, here's where God had her. And I said, well, here's a God has me. And, and, and he's sovereign and he knows what he's doing. And so this morning I want to look, and I know my sermon title is really encouraging. I mean, we just came through a blizzard, Pastor, and you're telling me everything is meaningless. We just went through what we went through, and you're sitting here saying everything is meaningless. I came to church to be encouraged this morning. I was looking for hope. I could finally get out of my driveway, and Pastor tells me this morning everything is meaningless. This is a, it's from a, a book in the Old Testament. We just read through it recently in men's Bible study. And uh, it was written by, the, the assumption is the author was, was Solomon. And we see Solomon in the Old Testament. Who was Solomon? Remember Solomon became a king. And he, he rebuilt the temple. Like they all had set out, he built the temple. And uh, he wasn't just a king, but he was like the king of kings. Like he was... He was the one that they all leaned on. He was the one they all came to. Uh, Second Chron- or First, Second Chronicles chapter 9, just real quick, just to talk about him. King Solomon, this is who wrote this phrase, everything is meaningless. King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all other kings of the earth. All the kings of the earth sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God put in his heart. Year after year, everyone who came, brought a gift, articles of silver, gold, robes, weapons, spices, horses and mules. Solomon had 4,000 stalls for his horses and chariots, 12,000 horses which he kept in the chariot cities and also with him in Jerusalem. He ruled over the kings from the Euphrates River to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of the Egypt. What am I trying to draw a picture of Solomon? Solomon had it all. He had authority. He had power. I think we read he had about a hundred wives and concubines. He had women. He had influence. He had wisdom. He had arrived. Now, take it for what it's worth because of the source. MSN, you know, you know we know that they're a great news agency a lot of times. They did, a, they did a history on, on the wealthiest people who've ever lived. And they estimated Solomon's value, his wealth or whatever he was worth, at $2.2 trillion. He, he had everything. He had everything that we strive for. 
He had, he had friends. He had people who sought him out. Other kings respected him. He had influence. He had power. He had authority. And then he starts writing in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? I mean, you think about those words. We can read those words, and I picture the homeless guy, you know, in Skid Row in in Los Angeles or something, right? Those words, like everything's meaningless, or the person who has just gone through a tragedy or a turmoil, and they're crying out, everything is meaningless. They're pouting to God. No, this is Solomon. This is the guy who is worth $2.2 trillion. He got more gold than he knows what to do with. And he's an old man and he looks around and he starts to wonder. Meaningless. Meaningless. All this is just it's just meaningless. It doesn't mean a thing. Just the headings from the book of Ecclesiastes, just the things that he begins to address because he starts to talk about some things that we see as valuable. The headings in in my Bible in Ecclesiastes, he says pleasure. It's meaningless. He says wisdom. It's meaningless. Folly. It's meaningless. Toil. It's meaningless. Advancement. It's meaningless. Riches. They're meaningless. Everything, he says, are meaningless. Everything that I've strived for, he says, is meaningless. What I'm known for. Solomon was known for his wisdom, right? I mean, that's what we... We know him. God, he, God said you can have anything. He asked for wisdom and that's where he, he got his renown. And, and he's calling that meaningless. Why? Why? Like what is, what is the prophet or what is the, the king trying to communicate to the people? I read that book in the Bible and you're like, man, what is going on? Like, so you're telling me it's meaningless to have Riches, you're telling me it's meaning to work. I mean, that's where we get eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you'll die. I mean, we like that. The world likes that phrase because, yeah, the Bible just told me I could eat, drink, and be merry because I'm going to die. You know, he, he talks about, you know, we're as fleeting as the grass because it's just going to be blown away. I mean, all these things. He's wrestling with the very reality of life. And sometimes in the midst of the storms, we become focused on what is meaningless. Sometimes in the midst of where we're at, in the midst of our life, and sometimes even the standards or the, 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 the bars the world sets for us, we realize we arrive and we're looking around and realizing how meaningless this truly is. He spends 12 chapters, 11 and a half chapters, talking about what is meaningless. 11 and a half chapters, looking at his life, saying, man, my priorities, man, my values, man, my, my life, like everything I attained for, those things that I thought would bring me contentment, 
they didn't matter at all. It didn't mean a thing. He's laying on his gold bed with his satin pillows and, 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 and surrounded with diamond wallpaper or something. I don't know what, the, what his kingdom or his castle looked like. I mean, and he's looking around and, and all he's doing is realizing none of this matters. He's got all these women. He's got all these friends. He's got all these people who seek him out and none of it matters. But, but, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. He says, here's what I've concluded. Here's what I've learned. Here's where I've arrived. You've heard me remind you for for 11 and a half chapters what is meaningless. Now let me tell you, all has been heard. He's an old man, so he's probably thinking, you're hearing my stories. Now let me tell you what I'm trying to communicate. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments for this is the duty of all mankind. Fear God and keep His commandments for this is the duty of all mankind. Everything is meaningless. The only thing that Solomon is realizing that matters the only thing that is valuable to him as he's facing what, what is the, the limit, mortality, as he's facing limited uh, life, the reality that he's facing is all this stuff, everything I have, everything I've surrounded me, myself with, everything I've propped myself up upon, every bit of it is meaningless. But what? Fearing God. And obeying his commands. If I can strive for anything, my sermon that I was supposed to preach at the conference was kind of based on this. It was called Valuable Values. And I was thinking about this like, what is truly valuable? The man who had every value in the world, he had everything that we consider value realized how poor he truly was. Because the only value there is is fearing God and obeying His commandments. I know that's hard because we come from a place where we're like, we're not supposed to like fear God. And it's not talking about God scares us. Like we're not talking about being afraid of God coming in and, and smiting us or being afraid of what, what God, I mean, when we say fear God, what does that communicate? I think we think of what we're afraid of. Like the other night, Graham, I think he just didn't want to go to sleep, but you know how kids are. So our bedroom is next to his, and usually a couple times a night we'll hear mom or dad called out from the room. And so I go in there, and he said, Dad, there's a monster under my bed. I don't think he thought there was a monster under his bed. I think he was just coming up for a reason to stay awake. But that's often what we equate fear with, right? The monster under our bed that's going to come out in the middle. I'm sorry. There's not really monsters under your bed. It doesn't happen. 
But we, have, we, we get these things that we're paralyzed by fear. We're afraid of how they'll harm us. John Bevere, he said, it's commonly thought that in the church that the fear of the Lord is to be afraid of God and His greatness. How can we have an intimate relationship with someone we're scared of? If we know God passionately desires depth in relationship with us, then why would He tell us to be afraid of Him? There's a difference between being scared of God and having the fear of the Lord in you. The person who is afraid of God has something to hide. What do we see Adam do in Genesis? He hides from the presence of God out of fear. True fear of the Lord is to be terrified, to be away from God and away from His presence. We're not afraid of, we're not afraid of what God's going to do to us. We're afraid of being separated from how good God truly is. Solomon says the conclusion of the matter starts with fearing God. That's acknowledging who God is. That's recognizing how great God is. That's recognizing how good He is. That's recognizing how, how much He loves me. That's recognizing how, how in control He truly is. It's crying out, great is your faithfulness. It's crying out to God, acknowledging that, that, that He can and He will move on my behalf. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, in the Amplified Version, it says, When all has been heard, the end of the matter is fear God. Worship Him with all filled reverence, knowing He's the Almighty God. The fear of God, it's worshiping Him. How can I not worship the God who is, who was, and who always will be? How can I not worship the God who is in control, who, who has created man from nothing, who created all we see with just His Word, who's in control when there's blizzards and there's floods and there's whatever else going on. It doesn't affect how in control my God is. There's something awe-inspiring about who God is, when we think that the One who spoke everything into existence, the One who, who, who is and who was, that He loves me and desires for me to have fellowship with Him. How is that not awe-inspiring inside of us? I know how good God is. I know how good He is and how His plans are, are good. And so because of my knowledge of Him, because of my understanding of who God is, I have a holy fear, a reverence, a trust. I'm not putting my faith in riches. I'm not putting my trust in, in, in wisdom. I'm not putting my, my confidence in, 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 in influence or power. My confidence, my trust... My hope is all in God and who God is. The conclusion of the matter. Fear God and obey His commands. Proverbs 
chapter 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Chapter 8, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Deuteronomy chapter 10. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord, to walk in obedience with Him, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to, absorb, to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. Israel, church, us, what is good? What is the conclusion of the matter? I have to... Fear the Lord. I want to walk in obedience to what He says. I want to fulfill the purpose that God has given me. I want to be who God made me to be. I want to obey His commands. And when He says, go and be my disciples, I want to go and be His disciple. When He says to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, I want to be a witness. Why? Because He's told me to go. He's he's told me to do. He's called me to share. When He says that I'm the light of the earth, when he says that I'm the salt of the earth, I want to be light. I want to be salt. My superintendent's wife last night, the lady who was organizing the conference, she sent me a text and she just said, you know, she was sorry we couldn't make it. And I said, yeah, I mentioned the roads and how it was still snowed in and she said, yeah, just be glad you're not dealing with what they're dealing with on the eastern side of the state and all the flooding. I mean, we see the news right now. We see the turmoil that's going on. And truly, truly, everything is meaningless. The conclusion of the matter is to fear God and obey His commands. What can we do in the midst of this? I believe in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of devastation, God's love needs to be revealed. I believe that we are the hands and feet of God. I believe that we are the church. We're the representation of Jesus Christ to our community, to our state, and to our world. And so in this moment, I want to fear God. That's knowing that He can move mountains. That's knowing that that, that He can take care. That's knowing that He can reveal. That's knowing that He can redeem. That's knowing that He can restore. That's knowing that, that He can do anything in the midst of where we are. There are people today wrestling with everything is meaningless, but they're not wrestling like Solomon was. They're wrestling with despair and destruction and devastation. And everything for them is meaningless unless someone shares the love of God. Huh? 
Who's supposed to do that? Fear God and obey His commands. Pastor, this, this situation, it's bigger than us. Yeah, it is. I saw drifts. I don't know how to move them. I get it, the snow. I mean, I hear the fear. I hear the the potential storms that are coming. I know. The snow's got to go somewhere. The water's already full. Where's it go? I don't know. It's bigger than me. But I fear God. I know God can. But what's He going to do? Bring down a straw from heaven and suck up the rivers? I have no idea. But I know He's able. I know it's not bigger than Him. I know He's still in control. I know that I've walked around this wall so many times that I'm wondering what's going on, but God is true to His Word and His promises are yes and amen. That's my confidence. That's the holy fear that I'm living in. So what do we do? What can we do? I tell you, we need to be praying. There's people in our community that need prayer. There's people that that we rub elbows with every day that absolutely need to see the hand of God revealed in the midst of where they're at. There's people in our state that need to see light. They need to experience love. They need to see the hand of God somewhere, somehow, in the midst of it all. They need a little bit of salt and a little bit of life. I'm jumping a verse. Ephesians chapter 6 says, Pray in the Spirit at all times on all occasions. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, the first thing we can do is pray. This morning, I know we're here and we're glad to be here. I want us to spend some intentional time in prayer. I want us to spend time together praying for our brothers and sisters in our community, praying for, for those that, that, that we know that they're struggling, for those that we know that they're facing a battle. I want us to pray today for our state and what's going on on the eastern side of the state and what's going on in the midst of devastation and destruction. I want us to be praying for, for the church, for the love of God to be revealed, for the hand of God to be demonstrated. Why? Because I fear God. And I want to obey His commands. And when I feel hopeless and when I feel like this mountain is too big, all I know is that I have a God who is able. 
And even though I may not be able to, to go pick people up out of the midst of the floodwaters or go dry their carpets out or whatever else, I know I've got a God who is able. Even though I know that, that in myself I can't bring hope, I've got the hope of Jesus Christ inside of me. And I want to cry out that that's being revealed. So corporately this morning, I want us to be obedient to what God has. I want us to be obedient to, to who He's made us be. And we can cry out. We can pray for. We can seek the face of God for. So I don't know how, like I said, I had to plan this all last night, so I'm not sure how this all goes other than we're going to pray. And um, somewhere there's a microphone. Back here. And the way I think we'll do this is I've got a microphone and Tam will hold that. And if you would like to pray, just stand where you're at. And Tam can bring you the microphone so we all can agree and pray together. I'm going to start us this morning. I want us to pray first for our community. And, and, and it's okay. If you want to pray for specific people in our community, we can agree with you in prayer, right? Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. When two or three agree to anything, right? We can agree with you in what you're praying for. If you know of someone in our community that is facing a very real battle, don't be afraid to pray for them. So we're going to pray, Father, I come to you this morning. If you'll go ahead and play that music just in the background, Irene, just soft. God, I, I come this morning and I, I... Turn it down a little bit more. God, I pray in Jesus' name, in the midst of today, in Crawford, Nebraska, in, in the areas surrounding Harrison and Whitney and Shadron, God, and Hemingford and all that's around us, Marsland, God, I pray for people in need. God, there's people who have lost meet their needs. God, there's people who have experienced devastation and destruction. Come near to them. I pray for kingdom ideas, God for our church, that we can be salt and light in the midst of today, in the midst of our surroundings, that we have opportunities, God, to show your love, that we have opportunities, God, to bring hope, that we have opportunities, God, to share the truth that is Jesus Christ. God, you are able. You are able this day to do an incredible work in Jesus' name. If someone else would like to pray for our community, just kind of raise your hand or stand where you're at. And your spirit, we just step into your presence this morning and we just pray that your spirit will be revealed across this state. Amen. That, that the people in Nebraska will see you, that they will sense you, that they will feel you. Lord, in a way they've never seen you before. That in every where they turn, everywhere they see, everywhere they look, they see you. Amen. They sense you. They feel you. Lord, we pray for that in our community here. 
Lord, at large, that outside of the problems of life, that that we can be a part of just showing who you are. Amen. And being that light here in western Nebraska and throughout the state and throughout the country, Lord, and that our influence will reach the world, Lord, because you are the great Father and your love is beyond all. We just thank you for the revelation that you're going to bring to our state, our doing and now, and we'll Amen. continue to do as days go forward as we're faithful to you, as we fear you, as we are afraid to be away from you. We're afraid to be away from your presence and your goodness that drives us back to you. We praise you, Jesus. First off, dear Jesus, I'd like to thank you for all that you have done for us brought us here together so that we can pray for all the others. I'd like you to bless all those that are down there fighting the floods, all those in our state and all other states that were affected by this storm. Please help the farmers and ranchers. And bless us and keep us all. In your name, amen. Father God, I just come this morning just praising you and thanking you that you've made us a part of your family. I thank you for this community, Lord. And I see their love and their help for each other. And I just pray that we can be your hands and your feet in Crawford, Nebraska. I love this town and I love this community and I love this church. And I just thank you that you've brought us home. I pray for the people that are in such need of you, Father. Sometimes the darkness is overwhelming, and I just, I know that people get discouraged because they have no hope. But you are our hope, Lord. You are our rock and our redeemer. You're our salvation. You're our love and our peace that passes all understanding. And in times like this, Father, we don't, We don't understand. We don't have understanding to why this state has these storms that that we have no control of, that you are ultimately there with us all the time. We praise you and thank you, Lord, that you give us a place to meet, a place where we can worship freely. We thank you that, um, that you want us to be courageous, And you want us to step out in places that we've never stepped before. And like the song of oceans, you want us, but you bring us out into the deep, into places that scare us. We pray, Lord, that your peace would be with us as we step out into this community, Lord, and as we begin to share you with others. People that maybe have never heard about you, people who've never trusted you. Lord, and um, I just pray especially for a healing anointing over this town. For people, there are so many people in need of healing. I pray for Kim Bean comes to mind right now, Lord, and I just pray blessings on her. She's been fighting a battle for a really long time. And I just pray, Lord, that you continue to meet her faithfulness right where she's at. 
I just thank you that you love us and that you have the best for us. Even though we don't always see it as the best, we know that what you have for us is better than what we might choose or what we might see for ourselves. So let us lean on you in this time. And I just pray that you will just unite us as a body, that we understand that we're members of one God and we're his body. And that some of us are different parts and have different functions. And we don't always all look the same. We don't always do things the same. But that's what you want from us, Lord. That you just want us to be who you created us to be. Not to try to live in someone else's shoes. Give us grace for the people who are different than us. And um, just give us a love and a compassion for everyone that we come in contact with today and especially within this church lord and we thank you in jesus name heavenly father just come to you because we know that you are able lord i just pray for my sister and and her husband lord they just they couldn't get their cattle to shelter because the waters came down they, they did suffer quite a bit of loss and now the cattle are safe but lord their their property is is close to the floodwaters, and they just keep coming, and they just keep getting getting closer to the house, Lord. So I just pray for protection around them, Lord. I just ask you to shield them from the evil that's coming. I just ask you help them to know in their hearts that you are able to cry out to you, Lord, to surrender all to you, to realize who you are and that you're all they need, Lord, that there is hope in you and that you are able no matter what. I just pray that their road would be open today, Lord. They still can't even get out their road. The snowplow has not come up the road, so I just pray that that would happen today, Lord. Just give them hope. Just give them you, Lord. Just help me to be that light that shines in their life, Lord, that they could see me, see you in me, Lord, and they would want what what I have. And I just thank you and praise you for it. In your precious name I pray. Amen. I looked up the state of Nebraska and also the state of California for the floodwaters that are coming, Father God. And ask that you protect what is yours, Father God. You can work in so many magnificent and supernatural ways. You can evaporate the water. You can make canals that will drain the water into a, a safer spot, Father God. I just rebuke flooding in the life of the Nebraskans and in California, the people that follow you, Father God. Just that your will be done the protection with the saints. Our Heavenly Father, we're just thankful we can be in your house today. Our Heavenly Father, I know from personal experience that in hard times, our Heavenly Father, when there's nowhere else to turn, that, that we that we seek your face, our Heavenly Father. Even the unbelievers, unbelievers our Heavenly Father, have got to, to believe in something, our Heavenly Father. And it, at this time, we just ask your grace to be sufficient for all these people. That, that the Christians in this in this state, even ourselves, our Heavenly Father, that we could we could reach a hand over the fence to our neighbors that don't know you, our Heavenly Father. That we could be the we could be the Saul, the light that we're called to be. Right now, they're in darkness. I mean, they have nothing. As, as Solomon said, it's it's hard for us to comprehend in our own minds that that the material things that we seek that we go after are meaningless the only thing that's going to matter in the end is our relationship with you our heavenly father so 
So those that are in loss right now, even they don't even have that, our Heavenly Father, to take with them when they're gone. So we just ask you to just, just use us, our Heavenly Father, as a body, even just to, just in prayer, our Heavenly Father, that we can reach out to, to, to the state of Nebraska, our Heavenly Father, that your love would be revealed, not maybe through us, but through, through those who do know you down there, our Heavenly Father. We know your grace is sufficient for all, so we just ask you... Just, just see to these people, our Heavenly Father. See to their needs. Just take them out of the darkness and show them the light. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. God is able, amen. I'm going to say that again. God is able, amen. There's hope in Jesus Christ, amen. I believe God hears our prayers. I believe God is moving on behalf of what we've asked. I believe God is going to speak to your heart something you can do. A way you can reach, a way you can demonstrate light or salt or something. That kingdom joy, that kingdom victory comes through the storm. That kingdom victory comes through the trial. And ultimately, God is revealed. The love of God is redeemed in hearts and lives. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you be salt and light. May you fear God with a holy fear and obey everything that he wants from you. Amen. Be blessed. Um, just a small miracle, I guess you might say, for, from my perspective. After the storm, of course, we have some loss, and it was a struggle because of my heart issues and whatever. But anyway, Thursday afternoon, after the storm quit, I finally got my cows fed. But at, of course, the snow melt before the storm came, and then it rained just before it started, whatever. And there is just, there's a foot of mud underneath eight-foot drifts. And I come in pretty discouraged. I'm like, I can't even drive with my tractor through the mud to get, I said, to come back in. And I tell my wife, it's like, I don't know what to do. There's no way I'm ever going to feed. I can't move drifts to get out when you get stuck in the mud. I couldn't even drive, no less. Even where there was no snow, I couldn't even drive. You just get stuck in the mud. But anyway, I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And she's like, she says, that's probably the point. You're not supposed to know what to do. You just trust God. And I got a little tart with her because it felt like she was, she was patronizing me and says, no, I'm serious. But the bottom line is, since then, every morning it freezes. And so in the morning while it's froze, I can go feed. I can dig out the snow as soon as the afternoon comes in and gets undone. That may be a small thing. It looks like a small thing, but it's a big thing to me. It was God answering the prayer that says, how on earth am I ever going to move the snowdrifts? How am I going to feed my cows? Because they can't even drive through the mud. But God freezes it up every night. And, and the other small miracle for me was 
one of the cows that lost a calf early on, first thing on Wednesday. It was Friday afternoon. I finally got this brain here. Man, I could try to transfer a calf. I was too tired. It didn't even come in my mind. But after three days, any ranchers know it's pretty impossible to draft a calf after three days. They took. They're doing fine. And God answers prayers. He cares about your broken heart. And anyway, thank you for the opportunity. Be blessed. Have an awesome week. Enjoy each other. Have some fellowship time since you've been stuck up in your houses. Amen.